This is the Marathon Training Academy podcast, episode 406. Thanks to MetPro Nutrition Coaching for sponsoring the podcast. You can speak with a metabolic expert about your goals and get actionable steps toward fueling for performance, losing weight, adding muscle, or changing your body composition. Go to metpro.co forward slash MTA to get $500 off their concierge coaching. That's metpro.co forward slash MTA. And thanks to Oladance Open Earbuds, they have 360-degree superior sound, but never enter the ear, so there's no ear fatigue. Plus, you never lose track of what's happening around you. Visit Oladance.com and use the code MTA20 for 20% off. And finally, thanks to Revel Rockies Marathon and Half Marathon in Denver, Colorado. Run this fast, beautiful race on June 3rd, 2023. Register at runrevel.com and use the code MTA for $15 off. Hello and welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we inspire and empower you to go the distance. In this episode, we bring you a success story with Parker Watson, an academy member who, after getting a wake-up call from his doctor, used marathon training to take control of his health and change his life. And just a heads up that inside the academy, you can get access to all of our training plans, back podcast episodes, our new strength training program, and more. Find out how to become a member when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So Angie, you have a half marathon on the calendar now. You officially decided on a distance. We mentioned that we're going to be at the Revel Mount Charleston Marathon in Vegas on April 1st, but it was kind of up in the air. If you're going to do the full or the half, you're doing the half. That's right. I decided to listen to my better judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Still healing up from surgery that you had at the end of last year. That's right. So I'm really excited about being there at the race. And of course, we've got a meetup that's in the works for after the marathon. So if you'll be there, please email us and we will get you the details on that. Yeah. So we've got that going on. Plus, plus I have a marathon in May, May 21st, day after my birthday. I'm going to celebrate by running the Beer Lovers Marathon in Liège, Belgium. So invitation to anyone out there who wants to meet up at that race drink some beer, run, you know, all the good stuff you do in Belgium. (laughs) That's all right. Well, before we get into our conversation with Parker, let's give some props to folks out there just trying to stay active, getting it done and pushing themselves in one way or another. So Angie, what do you got for us? Yeah, this comes from Alexandra in the Academy. She says, we spent the morning doing a family mini half, a 1.3 mile race, a 5K and half marathon. Our daughter, age 10, took first place in the 14 and under division, and Matthew followed the 140 MTA training plan. His chip time was a few minutes over the goal, but he is happy considering it was 13 miles of hills. It's really cool to see family that runs together like that. That's right. It is. And this comes from Luis. He says, hello to all. I've been running since 1983. I've clocked a few thousand kilometers and could not figure out why many times when I run, my mind tells me just stop or quit, especially in long runs and running in my hilly island. Interestingly enough, Angie and Trevor shared a video on what's happening at MTA. In this video, ultra runner Dave Proctor explains how your brain evolved to keep you safe. While you're running, the brain will tell lies to slow you down or make you stop. I want to thank Trevor and Angie for getting such an inspirational video. It has answered my longtime concern. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, that's from our podcast interview with Dave Proctor. I made a little video, posted on Instagram. Basically, he says, our brains evolved to keep us safe. Therefore, they lie to us. They make us feel more tired than we are, make us want to quit when really when we're exhausted, we're probably, he says, only about 60% done. <laughs> we have another 40% in us. Coming from a guy who ran across Canada, he did like, what, 100K a day? It was something. pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Set the uh, Trans-Canada record. Also, by the way, Luis, he's in our Facebook group for our virtual run people. He mentions his hilly island. He lives uh, in the Azores. Those islands, you know, beautiful islands owned by Portugal. He posts pictures of beautiful views and often the spectators, which are the cows that are grazing <laughs> alongside the road. <laughs> And this comes from Kofo, who is a client who works with Coach Nicole. She says, I'm thankful to get the first race of the year in the books with the Richmond half. And that's Richmond, UK, not Richmond, Virginia. Wouldn't that be cool if like (laughs) both Richmond marathons sponsored the podcast? Yeah. Goals, right? (laughs) She says, every day is a school day and every race is an opportunity to learn. I learned that pace discipline is something I should continue to focus on. Charging out too fast costs me the preferred negative split. Thankfully, I still managed to hit my goal of a fast time, and I maintained half marathon pace overall. Shout out to Coach Nicole for unwavering support and excellent coaching. Bring on the Paris Marathon. All right. That's kind of add to we like to hear right there. <laughs> That's right. I like how she points out that, you know, maybe something doesn't go exactly the way you'd prefer during a race. Maybe you make a mistake in your pacing, but it's an opportunity to learn. And nothing is wasted when it comes to what you learn in running and in life. You can always apply it later on. Good stuff. And finally, this comes from Jessica, who is in the virtual run group. She says, my first 5K in May of 2019 was something like 47 minutes. In 2022, I ran two marathons. The first qualified me for Boston and Chicago 2023, and the second qualified me for New York City 2023 and Boston 2024. I seriously thought qualifying for New York City was so beyond my abilities that it took me a week to realize that I had in fact done it. Now let's see if I can do a 3.30 time. I love the quote, no human is limited from Eliud Kipchoge. Yeah, so going from a 47-minute 5K to qualifying for the New York City Marathon, I asked her, I'm like, hey, what what made the difference? What was the turning point? And she said, it turns out you can run a lot faster without an extra 100 pounds or so. Other than that, I was really focused on consistency, and with that came better efficiency. And she said, maybe there's some genes unaccounted for because neither the Irish or Italian sides of her family are known for their speed. So... (laughs) Maybe the consistency or whatever, you know, it unlocked her running potential genes that were in there. Yeah, and I'm sure thinking back to before 2019, she probably never thought she was capable of running. And probably after that first 5K, the thought of a marathon still seemed way out there, like many goals do. So it's really neat just to see how she's applied herself and been consistent and all that she's accomplishing um, and will accomplish. That's right. And that brings us to today's guest, uh, Parker Watson. He is a Lifetime Academy member, and he's also worked with Coach Henry on our team. At one point, as you're going to hear, he never imagined he would be able to run a marathon. And during the pandemic, had kind of gotten inactive, gained a lot of weight. He talked about where he got to at his heaviest weight. And, you know, he's lost over 50 pounds and has been able to run marathons now and has just really experienced life change. So we're so excited to talk to him. I actually got to meet Parker at the Richmond Marathon last year. We always love sharing success stories 
and hearing how people have changed their life through running and taking action. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Parker Watson. Before we jump into that, big thanks to our new sponsor, Long Run Coffee. You might have heard about these guys on another podcast. Long Run Coffee is created by athletes, and the coffee is designed for trail runners, marathoners. This coffee is actually infused with electrolytes, so it's a great way to replenish or top off your electrolyte stores while drinking some really tasty coffee. And check out the the names of the different roasts they have. It's really clever. They have Long Run Dark Roast, Technical Trail Light Roast. They have Junk Miles, Medium Roast, and the Two Week Taper, which is their decaf. So head over to longruncoffee.com. All new customers get free shipping, longruncoffee.com. Now here's our conversation with Parker Watson. All right, we're on the podcast now with Parker Watson, joining us from Colorado. So let's start with this. So you grew up in Baltimore, but now you're in Colorado. What what led you there and, and what do you do for a living? Yeah, so school led me here to Colorado. I'm, I'm a software engineer, um, went to University of Denver, uh, studied computer science. I'm a total nerd. That's my thing. Um, <laughs> But uh, actually, my, my reason for originally coming out to Colorado is, is it's the point in my life where I, I learned to appreciate running, I'd say. Mm. I, I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of it, but I, I, I understood why it could be fun. My, my junior year of high school, I went to a semester school program in Leadville, Colorado, Ooh, wow. uh, called the High Mountain Institute. Same Leadville as Leadville 100. Mm-hmm. And uh, the High Mountain Institute it's kind of like an outdoor leadership, outdoor ed- education plus experience. So backpacking and leading expeditions, that sort of thing. But one key component of it is doing the fun run, which every semester does the 10 at 10 at 10 fun run. 10 miles at 10,000 feet at 10 a.m. in the morning. Hmm. Um, That's a challenging combination. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yes, it is. And honestly, of all of the things I was nervous about for that semester, by far, number one was running that 10-mile race. Because at Hmm. that point, running a mile was terrifying. (laughs) Like I, I was not a runner at all. But part of the program, we have our morning exercises. You learn to wake up early and go do your runs three days a week and progressively from starting with a a one mile run, mostly walk because we're all coming from sea level more or less up to 10,000 feet. And completing that 10 mile run was an incredible experience. So and going from that, building up my strength and endurance, running the 10 miles, that was the start of my running journey, I would say. Did you carry that on into your regular life once you went back home? What was the process of starting to identify as a runner like? Because sometimes a person doesn't begin to identify as a runner until later down the road. So what was that like for you? I didn't identify as a runner until very recently. Okay. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. But uh, really, once I got back from that semester, I didn't really run much. The biggest thing in terms of running that I got out of that challenge was the challenge itself, was setting that goal, was having that big thing to work toward. So during college, I had a friend who was really into running and decided to, to challenge myself again, really with a health focus. It's like Running's not necessarily my thing, but I know if I, if I set up a challenge for myself, it's going to help encourage the healthy habits and hopefully lose weight. 
because uh, that's a, a, another thing on the side that I've, I've been overweight my whole life. So, so really getting into shape, getting into a regular exercise cadence workout routine is I really worked hard to do that for a long time. So during college with this, this running friend, we decided to sign up for our first half marathon, ran the, the Colfax half marathon here in Denver. I had no clue what I was doing. It's so funny thinking back on it because <laughs> I didn't follow any sort of a training plan. I, I also had this very stubborn challenge that I never wanted to walk during the whole thing. Mm. I wanted to run the whole time. I don't know why that's so silly. Even through the aid stations, I was this goof like <laughs> trying to grab the water cup, spilling half the cup all over my face, trying <laughs> to keep running because I had this pointless goal. Um, now looking back, it's like, just, just walk through the aid station. It's yeah. not it's a okay. big deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also had, I, I wasn't fueling whatsoever. Um, so hit a huge wall around mile 10, um, oh, really wow. struggled for the last 5k. Uh, and of course I, I had no idea why I thought it's just, oh, I didn't train well enough. Looking mm -hmm. back, if I had a couple of gels along the way. I would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> so did you accomplish that goal and then think like, check, okay, did it. Let's move on to the next challenge. I ran half marathon. I'm good. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I a hundred percent had the thought of why do people do marathons? That that's nuts. I literally have to double what I just did. Why, <laughs> why would I want to do that? <laughs> my focus kind of shifted from running to just, again, wanting to improve my health and consistently work out, really got into CrossFit, really enjoyed that. The, the structure to it, mm -hmm. this, this kind of, I don't need to think about it. I just got to show up in the morning. The workout's going to be an hour long. It's going to kick my butt, but it's going to be worth it. Right. Uh, and I, I really, really thrived off of that for a while. It wasn't running any more than I had to during that, <laughs> that time. Right. So we're known for saying that the marathon is a life-changing experience. And after that half marathon, a full marathon was like inconceivable. That's what it felt like. Yes. But then at some point you decided that the marathon was, was beckoning you, right? It was pulling you into its orbit. So why and how did that happen? So as odd as it sounds, my, my work, they, they kind of have a fitness group. They'll do the Colfax marathon as a relay team and, and some other fun challenges throughout the year. And one year we put together um, a Ragnar relay team. Mm. So this was running the, the Ragnar Road in Colorado, which is a roughly 220-mile running race. It just sounded like such a wild experience. And I also, the guy who was coordinating it all was was uh, a lead on my team. So I had a little, little bit of peer pressure on that. <laughs> um, half of our team ended up running that. So, um, But it, it was just this amazing challenge of much more manageable pieces of running to accomplish this huge goal. So it was 12 runners. Each person runs three legs throughout the race of all varying distances. And you just run straight through the night. And I, again, I wanted to challenge myself. So I, I did uh, the second most mileage for all 12 of the runners, which was uh, about 21 and a half miles total. Wow. Which, nice. But it, it broke down into chunks of eight miles and less. Mm -hmm. um, so even though it was, a, it was a big challenge to run that far, it's like, well, I'm, I'm getting a, a rest of four to six hours between each run. So it's, it's really like running those individual runs. And I basically just did an, an aggressive 10K training plan since each leg of the run was roughly that distance. And it ended up working out pretty well for me, except during the second leg of the race, I learned what an IT band is um, <laughs> and, and what you need to do when that starts acting up. Um, that was a whole other thing, but I, I managed to complete the whole run. It was an incredible experience. Coming out of that, 
was really where I was like, there's some cool challenges I can do with running. Mm-hmm. And I was still thinking of things like the Ragnar, things like the Tough Mudder and, and all sorts of those, like here's running, but with a really weird twist. <laughs> but a, a few of the people on the team, as we were doing this, they're like, if you can do this, you can absolutely do a marathon. Right. And I, at the time, still didn't believe them. I was like, no, that's, that's crazy. But they planted that seed, just kind of <laughs> sat there for a little bit and was like, you know what? I think I can. I want to give this a try. It's interesting. That's usually like the stages of acceptance. It's like at first you kind of reject, like, no, that's not for me. But then that seed germinates, you know, then you kind mm-hmm. of start thinking like, well, could I? It sounds crazy. I don't know if I want to. And then it just keeps growing inside of you until pretty much like you have to do it. It's like there's no choice. <laughs> yep. It's like the stages that you've evolved in and seen what you're capable of accomplishing going from like oh, the how, how intimidating that 10 mile mountain race was. And then a little bit of peer pressure to get you into the Ragnar never hurts to have positive peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And then boom, then that chunk of confidence gave you like a launch pad to maybe try the marathon, huh? Absolutely. And so so that was in the, the fall of 2019. And so I was looking around marathons in the area. I know the Colfax Marathon's a great one running through downtown Denver, but what's the easiest possible marathon I could do? <laughs> and at the time... I thought that would have been an all downhill marathon. So I signed up for the, for the Revel Rockies. Yes. Um, yeah. Now that I know much more about running and I've done a lot of downhill running now, I honestly, even though your times can be faster, I think it's harder. My quads. But so that's, that's the one I signed up for. Started training and, uh, but going into 2020, of course, that's when lockdown happened. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, there's no way that the race is going to happen. At that point, my habits, the routine, everything completely fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, well, I'm going to do this eventually, but it's definitely not happening now. So why do I need to keep uh, working this hard? And I think a lot of people will identify with that. Yeah. Parker is, you know, like myself included, when I didn't have races on the calendar, I kind of slacked off and gained extra weight and kind of got lethargic. So it sounds like that's what happened to you. Yes, absolutely. As much as I wanted to keep the the good habits going, and I, I for a little bit I carried on with some shorter runs, but slowly over the course of 2020 that fell off course, and and absolutely I, I put on a, a lot of weight. Um, by the, the early 2021, I, I weighed the heaviest I ever had in my life, 245 pounds, and I'm I'm 5'10". And, and I kind of just in the back of my mind, I, I kept thinking, it's like, I'm going to do this marathon at some point. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm going to have to lose weight. Like, it's going to make me lose weight because I'm just burning so many calories running. So it, I just kept pushing it off further and further. Like, I'm going to lose the weight eventually. And it, it was kind of this, this difficult balance of, I don't want to be too hard on myself right now because we're, we're all struggling. Everything's yeah. like, we're all coping in, in different ways. My unfortunate unhealthy way of coping is by by binge eating and eating really unhealthy foods. So that that was my go-to. But I, I kept it in the back of my mind. It's like I'm gonna run this marathon and and it it's gonna push me back into reforming my healthy habits, my good routines. But of course it just got pushed off so long it my health got out of hand. Hmm. What was your wake up call? I mean, sometimes it takes something like an outside force saying like, you can't continue down this path, or, you know, it's going to be really hard to get where you want to be. Was there something like that for you? Yes, I I think it it started with my spring 2021 annual physical with my doctor. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I'd ever had a doctor actually say, you're really overweight, and you need to do something about this. How did Hmm. that hit you? 
I honestly, it, it, it feels so embarrassing to say, but I, I was in denial about it still mm-hmm. because it's like, well, he doesn't know I'm going to be running a marathon. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose this weight. It's not that big of a deal. But then it kind of round two, when it really hit me was getting the blood work back. And I was very rapidly approaching being pre-diabetic. Yikes. Mm-hmm. And right. always throughout my life in the back of my mind, when I've had uh, when I've kind of fallen off course with my health habits and when I've gotten my annual physicals done and everything, my numbers, it's always been, I've been in a, a healthy, reasonable range. And that was the first time I ever had been like, all of my numbers were on the high side of things. It's like, okay, I can't get away with this anymore because my body is telling me this isn't working. It's like you have this objective data that you really can't wiggle your way around. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, that was the first big sign. Um Knowing that it's like, okay, I need to do something about it. And at this point, I was I was 29. I was turning 30 in the next year. So this this was mid-2021. And at that point, it was pretty confident the race was gonna happen June of 2022, which ended up being roughly two weeks before my 30th birthday. And I love being active. I love being able to go out and hike and ski and just explore and do great stuff without uh, any complications. And I want to be able to do that for as long as I possibly can in life. And and then honestly, listening to the MTA podcast, because uh, I, I guess I hadn't mentioned, I, I've been listening to you all for probably about three years now. One of the reasons I love it so much are all of the amazing stories from the listeners and just the, the huge range of people. And and I, I keep telling people, it's like, if you listen to the MTA podcast, you'll hear there are people who have never run in their life until their 60s, mm-hmm. and then they yeah. build up and run a marathon. Yep. Like, that is incredible. That's so cool. It's so inspirational. So being in the state of my health, seeing those warning signs, and knowing I had the race coming up, was going to turn 30 soon. It's like, this is the time to get my life together. Mm-hmm. This, like, I, I, I need to change something. I can't keep putting this off. I'm going to make a change. And I'm going to use the marathon to, to help get me there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of start, started officially training for the marathon a year out from it. And simply at that point, I was so out of shape. I started with one to two mile run walks. Um, that's what I was able to do at the time. And just at that point, I, I learned about the uh, the Maffetone method and zone two heart rate training and the benefits of running slow to get fast. Right. Before then, all of my running, all the training for the Ragnar, which absolutely is the reason why I had IT band issues. I just went 100% all the time. Yep. It's <laughs> yeah, a common mistake. Yes, that is. We hear that a lot for sure. So you, you know, you had a better perspective, like you're going to build up your running base, you're going to do it smart, you know, you're going to give your body time to adjust. Um, at what point did you decide you wanted to work with a running coach? How did that factor into your your training and your goals? Yeah, so that that's when I really shifted gears into training for the marathon. Through that summer, I, I um, to kind of get me back in, in reasonable running shape, I ran the Colfax Half Marathon again, did that with a, a friend of mine. Um, we, we did a run-walk strategy for the whole thing, which worked out fabulously for us. We had a, loved the race, had a great time. And that was in October of uh, 2021. So it was that, that November that after listening to the MTA podcast and hearing about the the benefits of coaching and knowing just about myself that I thrive with routines. I thrive with instruction, structure, and knowing that a, a coach would give that to me. 
So kind of knowing that about myself and also thinking about it and realizing that I, especially with this on, on the journey to 30 and trying to, to improve my, my health, my goal was not just to run the marathon. I, I didn't want to cross the finish line, be absolutely dead and questioning why did I decide to do this? This was terrible. I wanted to genuinely enjoy the race and enjoy mm-hmm. the challenge. Yeah, that's smart. And with all of my improper training of running before, I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And yes, <laughs> I could I could look up a plan online, but I also could get a coach and have them help me along the way, customize it to what I need to to my goals. And all I have to do is follow my coach's instructions and I will run a great race. It's mm-hmm. that simple. So that that's when I, I decided I, I want to sign up for a coach because I wanna I wanna run this race, I wanna love the race. I want to do it properly without injury. And I reached out to, to MTA. <laughs> awesome. And yeah, and you got paired up with Coach Henry. And he said that you were an excellent client. You actually did the workouts that he sent over. So. <laughs> Model client. <laughs> I, de- definitely not for the first couple of months. I, uh, I'm a very bad liar. So I, I have to tell the truth. So I definitely, when I'm filling out my Google mm-hmm. Sheets with, with updating my workouts and things, even I would be down to the level of like, I only ran two miles. I cut off the last one because excuses, I don't know, but I just, <laughs> I just didn't do it. Um, so, I, but I started working with him in that November and, uh, and we talked through my goals and, and he really was, he was totally on board with this idea of time doesn't matter. Pace doesn't matter. We're running this marathon for completion and enjoyment and just having the best experience possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation thus far. Parker mentioned the Revel Rockies. We are so thrilled to have Revel Rockies as a sponsor of this episode. It just worked out that way. Of course, we're going to be doing the Revel Mount Charleston race soon. But let's tell folks about the Revel Rockies Marathon in Colorado. Yeah, people are probably familiar with the Revel Race Series because they feature incredibly fast and remarkably beautiful downhill races. And Revel Rockies takes place in Denver, Colorado. It'll be June 3rd, 2023. And it showcases some of the best scenery that the Colorado Rocky Mountains have to offer, which if anyone's ever been there before, it's very beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's got breathtaking views of the Denver area, towering pines, beautiful canyons, mountain lakes. It's the stuff that gets me excited. My marathon PR comes from one of the Revel races. They're always well organized. They have awesome swag. So they just really offer a great all-around race experience. So to register, go to runrevel.com. Use the code MTA for $15 off. Runrevel.com and use the code MTA for $15 off. Thanks also to Oladance Wearable Stereo. They are earbuds. They don't actually go in your ear. They sit on top of the ear so you can hear what's going on around you. And also they help your ear not get fatigued, especially if you listen to podcasts. If you wear headphones for more than two hours a day, Oladance is a must-have. They have a secure fit plus amazing sound. Yeah, I was really impressed with the sound. I had previously some earbuds that I really liked, but the Oladance sound just blew the old ones away. And I haven't used them since I've gotten my Oladance ones. (laughs) (laughs) They have a three times bigger dynamic driver, 360 degree superior sound. Like Trevor mentioned, they don't impede like the sweat flow in your ears for people whose ears sweat like mine do. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lovely thought. Yeah, exactly. Just go to Oladance.com, use the code MTA20 to save 20%. Oladance, made for mover and shakers like you. Oladance.com, MTA20 for 20% off. 
So you guys are, are targeting the Rebel Rockies, which was in June. So you started in November. So give yourself plenty of time to get trained up solid for Rebel Rockies. Yep. And I, I thought about that knowing that a lot of marathon training pro- programs are, uh, say, four months or so. So I, I was very intentionally starting the coaching early because I wanted to use that time to build up a running base and build up the, the habits that I would need to stick to the running plan when it really was critical during the training cycle. Yes. Yeah. So a, a lot of our focus in those first few months were just get in a regular cadence, start doing some basic strength training, some uh, unilateral exercises on each leg and, and just kind of building that foundation. Um, so that's where we started. I, I essentially asked him, I was like, what, what do we do right now when it's, it's too early to start training for the marathon? <laughs> right. And he set me up perfectly for that. Excellent. So when the actual training for uh, Revel started, the official, you know, marathon buildup, uh, do you remember what he had you do? Like how many days per week were you running and so forth? Yep. It was uh, four days a week, fairly shorter runs throughout the week. And then my long runs were every Sunday. Had two days of uh, kind of body weight, strength training, uh, supplementary work. And all of the running was easy running, which was so, so different to me, but but so critical. Um, Occasionally, I'd have some short strides. And I I thought it was so strange coming from running 100% all the time and... (laughs) Um, so, so strange, not just to run slow, but then I would have say a a five mile run. I'm going to be running for, and I'm I'm not the fastest runner. I was at that point, I was probably 13 minute miles somewhere, Mm -hmm. 13 to 14 minute miles. So it would take me over an hour, but then he'd say somewhere in the middle of it, I'm going to do like six sets of 20 second strides. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what, what's the point? Like that, that's, that's like the, the tiniest percentage of this overall run. Does that really do anything? Right. And, and I kind of, so I started to learn about the, the benefits, especially to, to your running form when you just kind of throw that in there and you just have these quick little bursts to sort of reset yourself, especially mid run. And then of course, as, as I continued with the plan, those would grow bit by bit and the long runs would go from having a short interval of some moderate running pace to in a 14 miler, I'd have a couple miles of running at a a moderate to hard pace. So I would be pushing myself a little bit more, but really it still was coming back to, uh, I know there's the kind of 80, 20 rule with Mm -hmm. running easy, but because we were really going for, for that running safely pace doesn't matter. I feel like for me, it was really a, like a 95 plus percent running easy, uh, which, which worked out incredibly well. And I, I would say that's when it really started to click with me with loving running. And this mm. is kind of what I've started wow. telling my friends who, who had the same perspective as me as running with like, you just, it, it's exhausting. It sucks, yeah. like it, but it doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. takes a lot of patience, but if you run slow, for you, whatever that speed is, but you keep your heart rate down, you can run forever. Mm-hmm. And and you get into this space, the whole running high, it's like you're able to get into your head, get into a podcast, audiobook, or just, just completely zone out and your legs just kind of keep rolling along because you're not pushing that hard. So mm-hmm. your body just settles into it and you just go. Once I realized that and, and was running easy consistently, it's like, this is really cool. It was the first time as my mileage was ramping up and I run a half marathon. It's like, I could run a half marathon and still have a normal day for the rest of my You're day. You're not destroyed. My, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. 
<laughs> I was like, well, this is such a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say it takes a lot of patience. And I was very um, self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. When, when, yeah. I, when I started running that way, I remember r- running around at the kind of the local park and some of the paved trails we've got. And in, in order to keep my heart rate really low and run truly easy and not push past that, that threshold, I'd have to run, especially early on, um, 14, 15 minute miles. There were literally people walking past me. (laughs) 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 Oh man. Yeah, you're right. That messes with your head because then you're thinking, man, I'm not a real runner. Look at me out here. What am I doing? (laughs) Absolutely. But I I just, I kept telling myself, don't worry about what those people are thinking. Mm -hmm. I am, I am on my journey. I'm training for a marathon. Mm -hmm. Like they don't know that. It's like, yeah, it it looks like I can barely make it a half mile because I'm going so slow. But this is what I need to do to train properly, to train safely. And I'm going to run a marathon. Right. Yeah. That I always came back to that. No, no matter where I was in my training, no matter the challenges, it's like push through this, be patient. I am building up my endurance. I am getting there. I'm going to run a marathon. It kind of like what you're talking about is almost like having to detach your ego from your running results, because it's so easy to get in our heads, like, what are other people thinking? Oh, no, someone's passing me. You know, what are they going to think? I don't feel like a real runner if I don't run a certain pace or a certain distance. And like, even disconnecting from the data sometimes, because we kind of have in the back of our head what a good pace for us is, you know, depending on where you are. And if you don't live up to that, especially in the beginning, you know, find a lot of people who are always trying to PR their own, their runs, because that gives them that boost to their ego. But what you're talking about is having to disconnect that ego and just keep your long-term goals in mind, like consistency and health and patience. That is so important, you know, in what you're describing in the marathon process. Absolutely. And honestly, a a huge help I had in that was listening to the MTA podcast. I I, I listened, honestly, I I listened to podcasts on on most of my runs, especially my long runs. And those little snippets of of hearing about the the community achieving their own goals and, and hearing like how excited people are running their first marathon and running it in seven hours. Mm -hmm. That is an incredible accomplishment. Yes. And it, no, it's you're not setting world records or anything, but who cares? You <laughs> yeah. ran a marathon. <laughs> exactly. The speed yeah. doesn't matter. That's <laughs> such an incredible accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So I, I very much kept coming back to that is I'm going to run a marathon. It doesn't matter what pace I do. I, I'm going to achieve this and, and it's going to be awesome. This is really great. I appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it, it enabled you to fall in love with running even more when you slowed down and really got into the Zen of it. And I was just going to say too, that it's incredible how many people that we have to hold back when, when they come and they sign up for coaching, especially for the first marathon, they just want to go out and kill themselves and then they get injured. So wouldn't you say that's pretty common, Angie, where the coach just has to teach the client to run slower? Yeah. And one of the things about setting an arbitrary goal for your first marathon, unlike what you did, Parker, um, is that the stakes are so much higher. Like a marathon is really tough and it's a huge accomplishment no matter what time you finish in. But when you set an arbitrary goal for yourself, you often set yourself up for disappointment. And, oh, if I only hadn't done this or this, or you can finish this incredible achievement and still feel disappointed in yourself 
because you didn't hit four hours or five hours or whatever the goal was. And I'm not saying it's it's not easy to detach ourselves from those goals because like, man, I've done that plenty of times and walked away yeah. from a race disappointed because I had, you know, let my ego like run the show kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. If you think, okay, what's the average pace that someone my age is running right now? And then you look at your actual pace if there's a big disparity, you can get pretty discouraged, but yeah, you have to just forget all that. When you're training for your first marathon, the goal is what we teach is just focus on injury prevention to get you strong and healthy and ready to the starting line and then through the marathon and finish with a smile on your face. And if you can fall in love with the process along the way, like you did, then that's like the cherry on the top. Yeah. Cause then you got you know, like a healthy habit for life. Yeah. So I think that the key was I'm, I'm going to pick something that, that seems challenging but attainable but if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen still mm -hmm. number one goal is is running the race and having a great experience yes so just based on my pacing as we were getting closer kind of a month and a half two months away from the race i was really finding that i was settling into around a, a 12 to 12 and a half minute mile pace um, on my easy runs. so knowing that I was going to be pushing harder just a little bit during the race, decided to target a, a sub five hour marathon. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if, if I can get under five hours, that just, that'd be cool. Yeah, um, exactly. don't, I don't have to, but if I can, that'd be an uh, awesome goal. So I, I set out to do that in the race and it was definitely, I, I got a little bit nervous about it at the beginning. Uh, Coach Henry had amazing advice uh, for, for the beginning of the race. He said, run the first three miles slow. If you're running them slow, run them slower. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go too yeah. slow. <laughs> yeah. And, and after hearing so much about, about pacing strategies and everything, I was like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause it, it's so easy to get caught up in the excitement and the energy mm -hmm. of a start of a race and you're just off and burning yourself out too quickly. So mm -hmm. I, there were so many people, I was toward the back of the pack to begin with, but there were so many people still flying right past me and, <laughs> and, and go, going back to that mindset of the people walking past me when I was starting my training, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm running my own race. I figured this out with my coach. I have a strategy. I'm going to stick to that. And it, it helped to being a, a nerd, a software engineer, and I love data. Yeah. So I really looked at my heart rate through all of my training. Not that necessarily that my heart rate was determining how I was training or anything, but just kind of watch what it would do based on what types of runs I was doing. And that really helped me with my pacing a lot because being a revel race, it's a downhill race. In order to run downhill all the way for a for a full marathon, you got to start pretty high up. So <laughs> yeah. the, the start of the marathon was roughly ten thousand feet. Yeah. Wow. And the piece that I didn't think about and consider was I'm starting essentially twice the elevation I've been training at. My heart rate's going to be higher at a slower pace. Yes. And I I didn't think about that or realize it until I started the race and was started at a twelve minute mile and like. My heart rate is way higher than normal. Yes. Like, what is going probably, on? Probably the excitement of the race, but also the elevation. So, mm -hmm. so it really helped me to know that. And with Coach Henry's instructions, like, okay, let's really slow it down because I can always speed up later. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to just bring it back, let my heart rate settle, find a good groove, and then, then go from there. But how how epic was that to run in the mountains in Colorado? Just like start way up there and just the the course is unbelievably beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, 
we, I mean, it's just a few miles in, there were kind of these windy mountain roads and stuff. There were a whole bunch of people stopping off the side, taking pictures of the sunrise. And, and yeah. it was, it was gorgeous. Mm. All right. So how did it unfold and when did it get hard? And when it got hard, I'm, I'm going to ask not if, but when, cause it's a marathon, <laughs> right? When it got hard, how did you keep yourself going? So I, the marathon got hard, uh, waking up for it that morning. Yeah. <laughs> I had my alarm set for 1.30 a.m. We, we had to be, we had to be parked and at the shuttles to be shuttled up to the mountain for the, for the marathon at 3.30. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. No later than I think it was 4.15. So I, I actually, the two weeks prior, I, I was progressively moving my sleep schedule earlier and earlier and earlier so I could actually fall asleep at 6 p.m., which was very <laughs> weird. Yes. Um, but I, I'm glad that I did it because it did help a lot. I got surprisingly a decent sleep the night before. Hmm. Got there at 3.30 on the bus, super excited, but still kind of feeling weird because I'm awake so early in the morning. <laughs> But yeah, so so started the race. I actually, I love listening to music and podcasts and things as I run, but I decided to really just to absorb the experience because um, I'd heard from multiple people, enjoy every mile because this is your one and only first marathon. Right. And so actually for the first six miles, for the first hour or so of the race, I, my headphones were off and I, I just was running in the silence with the, the sunrise and the, the birds starting to chirp and everything was nice. so beautiful, was mm -hmm. really cool. And just, and literally every, every mile marker is like, I ran my first mile of my <laughs> marathon. I'm here, I'm doing it. I guess that's one benefit of starting so early is you get to see the sunrise. Yes. Mm -hmm. Something I don't see very often. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah. All right. Continue. All right. So you're, you're kind of getting in the, the rhythm, enjoying yeah. it, just the you're tranquility. So far so good, but you're only like five miles in. So. Right. Right. <laughs> um, feeling great. And then yeah, mile six or so put, put on some podcasts and stuff and start, start listening. And, and yeah, it was, went pretty smooth. We got to the halfway mark roughly, I guess it was kind of mile 11, mile 12. That's where my, my partner and my friends, they had their chairs. They were like the, the only ones there with a sign and everything. <laughs> that is so impressive because they had to get up super early too and be out there in the cold. I sometimes think about like the spectators, you yeah. know, like that is really dedication and love. That must have been so special to see them. Oh yeah. Well, oh, and, and my friend Kamaria, she, she's the kind of person who just like, she, she will not take no for an answer when, when she knows what's best. So, so she actually, I insisted that I drive myself to the race that morning. Right. Cause like, I don't want you to get up at this outrageous hour and mm -hmm. like, just don't worry about it. She was like, no, I am driving you and dropping you off. You are not driving yourself. It's like, Aww. okay, okay, fine. I, I, I love her. I really appreciate her. So, so yes. she did that. And then, yeah, she, she met up with my partner, Todd and, and mm -hmm. cheered me on. Loved seeing them at that halfway Aww. point. That was, that was wonderful. So cool. So that definitely big boost of energy from there. That felt good. But of course, then that point was going into the rollers through evergreen, which I'm glad I got over my, my first half marathon, like being embarrassed of walking because we mm -hmm. got to those hills. Like, you know what? I'm walking these hills. Yep. <laughs> I'm just, I've, I'm going to power walk these. It is not worth me exhausting myself over a few hills when I've still got another 13, 14 miles to go. Yep. Yep. Totally legit. <laughs> exactly. And and it did help too this time around since I'm I'm toward the back of the pack a bit like that's everyone else is doing it too mm -hmm. so it's like the, we're we're yeah. all we're all at the same place 
no like we, we all get it <laughs> <laughs> exactly um <laughs> uh, it, it started to get tough at that point i would say that's when like started to feel a little achy a little tired moving toward mile 20 so that was the big part was what i was looking at is is mile 20 because that's the furthest i'd ever run up to that point done my my two 20 mile long runs so that my focus was on that like let's get there then it's just the last 10k and I like I've run a ton of those. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so, so just kind of chugging along, got to that mile twenty marker, and I was obviously tired at that point. It was it was getting challenging, but I was so inspired from that point on to the end of the race because literally every step I was taking was the furthest I've ever run before. Get to that that twenty one mile marker. It's like. I've run 21 miles. This is crazy. Yeah. 22. It's uncharted territory. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and, and, and it was like, I am in it. I am here. I am running a marathon right now. Mm, awesome. And so I had mantras through this, through my training and, and absolutely during the race, they were, I am a runner. I am an athlete and I have what it takes to run a marathon and change my life. Mm, wow. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And those were so key because I didn't think of myself as a runner, Mm -hmm. uh, which was so stupid. Like I'm out running, I'm running four days a week. Why am I not a runner? (laughs) But I just had this mental block of, uh, Mm -hmm. because I've, I've never really felt like an athlete. I never, I I did sports in school and stuff, but it didn't succeed with it. I wasn't winning medals or anything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't placing first in anything. It was hard for me to think of myself as an athlete. But that was my mantra because it's like, I am a runner. Like I'm, I'm running a marathon. Not a lot of people do this. It's like, regardless of my speed, regardless of anything, I I'm doing this amazing thing. Yeah. So I like, I need to convince myself that I am a runner and I am an athlete. Mm -hmm. That's a huge barrier for a lot of people. Like I'm surprised the people I talk to, they're like, they don't consider themselves runners. And I'm like, why not? You know, but I do remember having to go through that myself and like overcome that barrier because I was never athletic, didn't consider myself an athlete. Embracing that I am a runner felt really big. And I just, I just absolutely love it when people, you know, embrace themselves because it is so true. It's if you run, you are a runner. And that is, that's a fact. (laughs) No one can take that away from you. (laughs) Absolutely. So you crossed the finish line. Uh, What was your, your time? You remember? Yep. So I, I don't remember the exact time, but it was, it was 456 something. So I did, I I was a few minutes under that five hour, that five hour mark was super excited about that. (laughs) Um, The race was exactly how I wanted, wanted Mm. it to be. I, I never once had a moment of questioning, why am I here? This sucks. This is awful. Why did I decide to do this? Mm-hmm. The, the whole time, even as, as tough as it got in the last few miles, was like, I'm, I'm running a marathon. Like mm-hmm. I, I am achieving this goal. I am doing this right now. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I crossed that finish line. I was so happy. Um, so, so excited. And I think within, I, like immediately, I had the thought of like, I like 100%, I'm doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think it was within two days of finishing that race. Like I was still, my, wow, my legs were sore. My quads especially were <laughs> completely blown up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but even still sore, it was like, I'm doing another one. And I, I signed up for the, the Richmond Marathon. Yeah. So we got to hang out after the Richmond Marathon. That was a lot of fun. And we had talked there at the, at the MTA meetup, you shared your story and you, you'd mentioned that you started working with a Met Pro coach and you, you've lost like 40 plus pounds. 
Yeah. So that's, that's been a, a huge key to my success for sure. Um, yeah. I started working with, with coach Ryan at MetPro um, in, in March. It worked perfectly side by side with coach Henry's training of, of keeping things easy and just doing this, this goal for completion because at MetPro, they, they make you pick what your goal is mm-hmm. um, when you start. It's like, do you want, are you going for performance or are you going for weight loss? And my goal was weight loss. It's like, I need my nutrition and my fuel to support me completing the race, but literally crossing the finish line is setting a record for me. So don't need to worry <laughs> about any performance other than that. What was your thought process like deciding to get a MetPro coach? Because, you know, I know a lot of people, they start training for a marathon, they're increasing their distance they're really hungry, you know, maybe they're not prioritizing cooking or grocery shopping. And I get so hungry when I'm marathon training. Um, And (laughs) I can train for a marathon and not lose any weight. I can actually gain weight training for a marathon if I'm not, you know, have my nutrition dialed in. So what was it like for you? You know, you'd started training and kind of realized like, whoa, my nutrition is not what it needs to be. (laughs) Yeah. So like I said earlier, when I, I hit my heaviest ever of 245, so that was right around when that, that year out started my marathon training. And so like I expected, weight started to come off as I was building up in distance. And usually I feel like when you, when you start those healthy habits, you get in a running routine, you get in a workout routine, eating fairly healthy food tends to come alongside that because you, you just it kind of feeds off of one another. But in that February, I hit a wall with my weight. Um, and essentially what it came down to was I was, I was taking advantage of the fact that I was running 25 to 30 miles a week and burning a ton of calories. And so I would reward myself and eat all of them back. (laughs) Um, Like, ah, yes, I deserve this whole pizza. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, literally it was, it was, it was pretty, it it got out of hand. So, and it got to the point where a big reason for me doing this is to change my life, to change my lifestyle, to be healthy and to not, not lose weight to lose weight, but to, to be able to do these things I love to do for as long for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I was having trouble. I couldn't do it on my own. I had dieted all throughout my life, yo-yo dieted and everything. And I knew that that just, that wasn't going to work. And while I wasn't gaining any weight with my, my poor eating habits at this point, I knew it wasn't sustainable because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be running 30 miles a week the rest of my life. So that's where the, the coaching had gone so well with Coach Henry that hearing about MetPro on on the MTA podcast, like why don't I get a coach for my eating? Mm-hmm. Because it, it comes back to that that simplicity of all I have to do is do what my coach tells me. And I'll lose weight. I'll re- reach my goals. It's it's that simple. And clearly, I I don't know what I'm doing when it just like with running. It's like I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. I need some instruction with eating. I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. So reached out to MetPro, got set up, and have had an incredible experience. That's great. At this point, I'm in the, the 180s for my weight now. So so wow. since my peak during COVID, I, I've now lost about 60 pounds. That is wow. fantastic. <laughs> And, and honestly, the, the last time I weighed in the 180s was uh, back in high school when I was at HMI at the High Mountain Institute. Wow. So <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible to be back this, to this weight and, and feel this way. Yeah, that's life changing. To, to be like in maintenance mode, you know, and not like running the crazy miles like of marathon training. And this is a, a way you can eat the rest of your life. It's not like, okay, you buckle down, you suffer, 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 and then you get the weight off and then you have. Yeah, it's not starvation diet. 
Right. Kind of thing. right. Yes. I, it, it completely changed my perspective on food and eating and food for fuel. Yes. Yeah. And what, one of the, the wildest things when I, I learned when I first started was I, I assumed that to pair along with the running training, like Saturdays, Sundays with my long run, I would eat more and then middle of the week I would eat less and whatever. And like, nope, basically eating for my day-to-day sustaining versus eating for fueling were two separate components that can work independently of each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought it was it was crazy that I would be doing my 16, 18, 20 mile long runs, eating about 1600 calories a day if I was in in that phase of uh, of the cycle, plus the intro workout fueling, having my gels and everything uh, during mm-hmm. my workout, basically making up for the fact that I'm not eating enough right now outside of running to, to fill up my glycogen stores and have the energy to run. So I need to have my fuel during my run perfectly dialed in. Mm-hmm. So I get what I need, but I burn off everything that I use. Yes. And mm-hmm. we just week to week, we kind of tweaked that, got it down to the to where it works, where it's like, okay, I'm not hitting a wall during my runs. And I'm also post runs, my, my weight's not elevating because I'm not holding on to extra fuel. Right. So you're feeling that strong, steady energy, you know, because you're fueling during your run, but then you're not feeling like ravenous and like you have to eat your body weight in pizza later because, you know, you're in the, some sort of just starvation mode. <laughs> exactly. And there, there were small strategies to help with that too, that I, I never thought of. So as I used to intermittent fast and eat two meals a day with Metprom eating five meals a day, sometimes six. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the key parts uh, on my long run days I would eat my my snack before my run, and then I would eat my breakfast immediately after my run. Oh, so yes. that was the, the mm-hmm. most critical thing for the success of the rest of my day mm-hmm. was to have my breakfast immediately after the run. Front loading a lot of your food in the morning since you're a morning runner, because a lot of people um, load their food towards the end of the day, like that nighttime eating, whereas if you front load a lot of your calories in the morning then it helps give you that boost to get through your day and not feel like you need to binge or <laughs> exactly. go <off> the rails. <laughs> well, and I mean, your, your body just wants to, it wants to repair and it wants to yes. go back into a neutral state. So after I've done a long run and I'm totally depleted of all my energy stores, the problem is if I don't immediately eat after I finish running, then my body shifts into starvation mode and wants mm-hmm. to eat as many carbs as possible to survive. So by eating immediately after my run and getting right back into my kind of regular cadence with eating um, after that, it stabilizes my blood sugar level. It gives my body the the fuel it needs to start recovery. So it it was amazing. I didn't think it was possible to feel that good after a long run while eating so little. And understanding that food isn't just healthy or unhealthy, because I definitely used to be of the mindset of a salad is healthy and a cheeseburger is not. Yes. <laughs> but MetPros really taught me that for me, and especially with, with running and doing CrossFit and all these things, a salad for lunch isn't healthy for me because that doesn't give me, right. It doesn't, I, I need more protein. I need some carbs. And it was really interesting going from uh, starting with MetPro and and just going into my first marathon, running that, the recovery. And then I, I had, I don't know, three, four weeks of, of recovery and then basically went back in another training cycle for the Richmond Marathon in the fall. And this whole time just steadily losing weight. But because I was doing so much running, eating more carbs than anything. Everyone always talks about like, oh, you got to go low carb to lose weight. That's a solution. 
but I would feel awful if I did that. Like I'm, I'm running a ton. I need carbs to run. If I don't, if my body doesn't have that fuel, I'm just going to crash and feel miserable. (laughs) Yep, exactly. It's not sustainable for most people, you know, unless they have really trained their body and dialed it in. But for those of us who are not willing to go through that process for various reasons, carbs are so healthy and important and balancing them into your meals and snacks and figuring what makes you feel the best is, is so key. I'm glad they allow English muffins on the MetPro app. <laughs> Freaking love those things, man. You talk about carbs. Yep. I, I eat a lot of English muffins and a lot of rice cakes. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like every day. Yep. <laughs> Just one, one other thing I wanted to mention with MetPro. So really like having the coach with the, the holistic picture of my weight loss, what my long-term goals are, but really the fueling for workouts, we, we dialed that in so well with Richmond. Even though it was a hot day out there. Oh yeah, it was it was hot, it was humid, um, and and I had extra fuel, extra electrolytes, uh, which was absolutely necessary. That's good. As silly as it sounds, one of the things I was most excited about running that race was that my fueling was so dialed in that I, I didn't have to make a make a porta potty stop. That's a huge win. <laughs> yeah, we had sure. it down. That's cool. Um, no, but it, it, that was that was key of understanding what what the fuel does for me. So of course, mm-hmm. keeping up enough carbs to keep my legs going and and feel good throughout the race, but also knowing how critical electrolytes are, especially when you're coming from a very dry climate here in Denver, going to, I think that morning it started, the race started around 80% humidity. Um, Oh, it was was rough. I am not used to this, but I knew like, and I, I sweat a lot regardless. It's like, Mm -hmm. I need to be on top of my electrolytes today because I will crash and burn if I don't. Mm-hmm. Cause that was a part of my fueling that I worked with Ryan as well was this whole strategy of having electrolytes the day before the race, having a concentrated sort of electrolyte shot almost the morning of right before my race. And so having that fuel for the race dialed in was, it gave me a lot of confidence and it, it paid off. It worked incredibly well. You did a lot better than me. Cause I totally forgot all mine at home. <laughs> I drove down to Richmond probably about halfway. I realized I forgot all of my fuel. So I went through the whole race with no electrolytes and man, I bonked at the end. And you were doing the half. And I was just doing the half. So yeah, it's so important to have that stuff figured out. Well, this would be a good time just to break in here real quick. And indeed, thank our sponsor, MetPro. These guys are changing lives like you heard Parker talk about. They're metabolic experts. So if you feel like your metabolism is broken, you're kind of stuck where you are, definitely reach out to them. You can talk to them for free and see if it's a good fit for you. Just go to metpro.co forward slash MTA. I can really identify with what Parker was saying about how life-changing MetPro was. For me, I was able to change my body composition by losing unwanted fat. And as a result, I was able to see my marathon and half marathon times drop. So we can't say enough good about what they're doing over there at MetPro. So to speak with one of their coaches to see if MetPro is right for you, just go over to metpro.co forward slash MTA. You can save $500 off if you decide to go with their concierge coaching. That's metpro.co forward slash MTA. So with everything kind of coming together, were you, I mean, despite even the hot, humid day in Richmond, were you able to run faster and set a PR for yourself? I, I was, yes. Oh, um, that's so exciting. Nice. I didn't hit my initial goal, 
blame that on the on the heat, but that's okay. Yeah. I, 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 re- sure. I mean, just a couple miles in, I, I reset my goals. It's like it's just based on the weather, how this is. I really really wanted to run under a 10 minute mile for, mm-hmm. for the race, which was a, a huge change just over the course of a few months. The sub 10 minute mile has always been a, a big barrier for me and I always thought it's so, so cool if I could run nine, mm-hmm. whatever. And I got there in my training, but it's just based on the weather. And again, looking at my heart rate during the race, like I can't push this hard. I'm going to burn out I, again, yep. even though I'm my goal for this time around is to get a faster time, but it's still way more important to me to just have a great experience. Mm-hmm. So if if I happen to run a slower race, that's okay. As, as long as I make it to the finish and I have a good time, I guess a little, little side tangent with, I, I wanted to run Richmond specifically uh, because I have a lot of family that lives there. Oh, wonderful. Um, Basically, I, I dragged them all into it as best as I could. So, because I, I, so, a lot of health and fitness minded folks in my family. So I, I told them, I was like, I'm going to come run the marathon. Let's make a whole weekend of it. So we, we had a, a dozen or so people all involved in the races in various Aww. ways. Nice. It was so much fun. Like that, plus having a completely different marathon experience, because I'm going from the Rebel Rockies, which was this gorgeous, windy mountain road with excluding the finish maybe 20 spectators just like people who live along the route down at the end of their driveway like Woo! they're getting the mail uh, like oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly so going from that to an incredible big city marathon mm-hmm. was it, it was just such a different experience and i got to mile 24 and like thing, things were definitely getting tough i was i was slowing down a bit but i was like i'm, I'm still on track i can still do this and as I was closing into the finish and knowing that there was that, that downhill finish, which it's not just a downhill finish. It is, it's, it's like a cliff. It is steep, <laughs> um, but, um, Jump off yeah. to the- <laughs> but, but just knowing that like, okay, I'm getting to the last mile. It's a downhill finish. There are like no more climbs, even little ones. Like I, I can do this. And so, and looking at my watch, I was, I was cutting it close. So I just laid it all out with a, a, all the energy I had left um, and honestly, doing all that downhill running for the uh, the Revel Rockies helped me a lot with downhill running form. So, mm-hmm. so I was able to to quickly and safely get down that that steep <laughs> final decline at Richmond. <laughs> but I, I, I managed to finish just on I think it was about thirty seconds under. It was like four four twenty nine. And, and change. Oh wow! Uh, so nice. I barely made the goal. I was That's I was cool. so excited about that. Um, and and again, crossed the finish line, and still not a single time feel like questioning why I'm here, why I'm doing it. it was like that was awesome. Wow. I just ran another marathon, and yes. I beat my time. I did better than before, and I just feel great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Man, well, thank you so much, Parker, for sharing your story with yes. us. And we can't wait to keep following your journey and yeah. you know, exciting things are ahead for you for sure. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being in our community, an Academy member and longtime listener and uh, sharing your story with us on the podcast. I know a lot of people are going to find this really helpful, especially the maybe those people that are struggling with self-doubt not seeing themselves as real runners. Maybe they're training for their first marathon. So Parker's here to tell you, you do have what it takes. <laughs> It's it's true. You guys aren't lying. As corny as it sounds, it's true. It, it, it is it is really true. He is living proof. So th- thank you both for for having me on here. This has been so so awesome, great experience, and and thank you for everything you do. Like I said, the the podcast has been a huge inspiration for me. 
Um, it's it's a, a great tool to accompany me on my long runs when things are getting tough. If it's hot out there, I'm just like this is this is dragging. I'm hearing cool stories, hearing inspirational experiences from other runners. I, I love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Big thanks to Parker for sharing his story and just being in our community. And by the way, if you want help achieving your goals in the marathon, whether it's to run your first marathon or ultra or to go after that PR, we've got awesome coaches on our team who can help you. Just like Parker said, you know, you'll, they'll tell you exactly what you need to do and give you that level of accountability. Now, some of you are already like driven and you are type A, kind of like Angie is, and you probably have overtrained at some point, maybe pushed yourself too hard. A coach is also good to look at what you're doing, being that outside voice and hold you back so that you don't overdo it and injure yourself and jeopardize your chances of hitting that PR on race day. And if you have done that and you are injured, a running coach can help um, identify areas that maybe have led to that injury and help you have actionable steps to get healthy and back on the road running again. Yeah. So to find out more, go to marathontrainingacademy.com. We have a coaching page where you can see how it works, what it costs. And if you like to book a call with our head coach, Nicole, and chat with her about what your goals are, that's marathontrainingacademy.com. Remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my